Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real life rescues to you firsthand from those involved. I'm your host today, Grant Schwalbe, and with me I've got Dylan Murray from Oklahoma City Fire. He's on Ladder 7, and uh, him and his crew had a grab last Thursday, uh, which would be March 24th, 2022, that he's going to talk about. Um, so first off, I'd like to welcome you, Dylan. How are you doing today? Doing good, man. How are you? Good. Uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, uh, your career in the fire service, a little bit about you, um, your rig, your department, and how you guys run things. Yeah, um, <clears throat> so I've been in the fire service for coming up on, this will be nine years and then seven years with Oklahoma City. I worked for a combination, real small rural department before that for two years. and um, But uh, yeah, I've been... Ever since I got my year on, I've been at Station 7 um, on the Green Shift, and uh, which has been a blast because I went to high school right there. I grew up around there, so it's a fun place to be. But um, we're, on the, we're located on the south side of Oklahoma City, just south of downtown. And um, Station 7 is one of the busier uh, fire-making stations in the city. And then I actually got a bunch of stuff pulled up here. But, yeah, in terms of the city and the department, so – in Oklahoma City, as a last year's census was about six hundred eighty thousand, and I've heard that we've reached over a million during the workday, just because we have so many people come in from the surrounding metro. But um, we have thirty-seven stations right now, which are station number thirty-eight is being built right now. Actually, they just broke ground on it not long ago, and then we cover six hundred twenty-one square miles, and um, <clears throat> a department as a whole. We have 1,034 personnel, which 909 of those are suppression. So your actual firefighters, chiefs, and all that. And then, um, but uh, like last year, uh, oh, forgive me, 2020 stats, the department made 641 structure fires with 18 victims. Seven of those were fatalities and 11 of those were grabs. And then uh, seven with a pulse, four without a pulse. And then in 2021, uh, 611 structure fires with 11 victims. Then you have three fatalities out of that, and then eight grabs, six with a pulse, and two without. And then, um, and just something about our station, station seven. Um, so far this year, the engines made 50 structure fires. The chiefs responded on 109 fires this year, and then our ladders made 52 fires this year so far. So it's been it's been a busy year, but um, and then our where our station is located, it's kind of in the older area of Oklahoma City, which we call Capitol Hill. And that used to be like the old, like really kind of capital of the state back in the early 1900s, late 1800s. So we have a lot of, um, a lot of 30s, 40s house construction, um, a lot of arch roofs, a lot of ordinary construction in terms of our commercial. So we have a really diverse uh, construction in our district, which keeps it exciting, keeps it fun, but. Yeah, it's a, it's a blast. It's a good place to work. Very nice. Um, so Oklahoma City Fire, when you guys get a structure fire, how many units are you getting? Um, and what are their roles when they arrive on the okay, scene? So, like a residential. Yeah, so on a residential, uh, you get four engines, one ladder, and then a CSL, who's a community service liaison. He helps with homeowner insurance, all that kind of stuff, getting them relocated and whatnot. And then we get two battalion chiefs that respond on it. And um, in terms of assignments, the chiefs are usually pretty straightforward. The first one arriving, 
will usually be your uh, incident command. And the second one, a lot of times they'll assign to the safety officer, to that second chief. But lately they've been kind of doing a bigger push on if the chief arrives and that first company officer who's commanding it's kind of, you know, taking care of it, doing what he needs to do. They're kind of working on leaving the, that company officer in charge of the scene and kind of assisting with them. And unless there's a rescue or, you know, something big going on, but they're trying to work on officers having more control of the scene for a longer period of time. But um, anyway, with all those rigs showing up on scene, it usually equates to about 24 to 30 personnel total on a residential fire alarm. So, Oh, and then, so who's doing your, who's doing your guys' searches? So searches, uh, usually the latter, and so um, it really depends on the crew and the shift, but um, usually ladders in Oklahoma City are prioritized search and ventilation. So some crews might go straight to ventilation on their truck, but a lot of times us at Station 7 on the Green with our chief that we have, uh, he usually prioritizes search over ventilation right away. So usually the first arriving truck will be search or large commercial, you know, he'll have them forcible entry, et cetera, just kind of, you know how the job is, it's kind of, you know, situation dependent, but a lot of times it's search with the trucks. Gotcha. Uh, and before we jump into this call, all those stats you guys have, uh, I know you guys yeah. uh, made your own um, firefighter rescue survey specific right. to your guys' yeah. department. How's that been working so far? I know we had Justin on a while ago and he was talking about it, but. Yeah, man, man it, it's been, it's been really, really great. And like, uh, in fact, just, talking about this specific fire, you know, stuff that we train on all the time, uh, you know, about the stats of grabs and stuff about, I think it's, if, if a victim is found in a residential fire, they usually average 1.4 victims or something per fire with a grab in it. So, you know, kind of one of those things that makes you, puts to the forefront of your mind, you know, you might be expecting multiple victims on a residential and a multifamily expecting more than two, but uh, his surveys done a great job just internally with our department in terms of, you know, getting more training going in terms of actual, you know, actual accounts of guys that are making these grabs and how long it's taken them, where they're finding them in the house, what the patient was doing when they found them. You know, I mean, he's got, I think there's 50 plus questions on this survey that you have to fill out. So it's been, it's been extremely, extremely helpful. Yeah, that's cool. And, you know, with that many grabs that you guys are having over the, the numbers you put out over the last two years, you'd think I'd be able to get a few more podcasts out of you guys. But, but you, oh, guys right. have, yeah. you guys have been good for, for that uh, so far, for yeah. sure. And I appreciate the, the work that Justin's doing, uh, not just with you guys, but with the Firefighter Rescue Survey. So uh, yeah. why don't we jump in? Tell us about this call, uh, March 24th, 2022. Right on. So we... Uh, so we actually had engine 23 over uh, to station seven for a little intercompany training. They have a new guy. We just got a new guy out of our new recruit class that graduated, <clears throat> I don't know, a few weeks ago now. But um, our engine, right in the middle of ladder training, because I'm sorry, station 23 is a single company house with one engine. And so they came over to do some ladder training with us and some forcible entry because we have a door prop and whatnot. And so we just got no enforceable entry training. We just pulled the ladder out onto the pad and we had their new guy pulling our 28 foot extension ladder out of the back. And we have a little course that we have them go through in this. There's a abandoned vacant hospital just adjacent to the station and they have some trees in the middle of this field. So we'll have them serve through the trees, et cetera. So 
just as he gets that ladder on his shoulder, he's probably about 50 feet from us, and we're you know, coaching him through this course, and then we hear the tones drop, and uh, the driver on ladder seven, he runs over to engine 23 and looks at their, their, you know, their MDC in the officer's seat, and he yells back at us. He goes, hey, that's us. And so I yell at 23's new guy. I'm like, hey, man, drop the ladder. You get on your rig and head that way. So I went to, that's probably the quickest ladder throw I've ever done in my life. I was telling them I picked up that 28-foot and was sprinting across this field trying to get it loaded in the back of ladder seven, and we finally got everything squared away. And um, I didn't get to hear any of the dispatch info because I was trying to get all that ladder cleaned up and everything. Chief had left, and just prior to that, our engine, engine seven, got dispatched on a full arrest. And so as I hop in the back of the ladder, I have both my officer and the driver both, you know, telling me, like, hey, there's a reported victim in here, reported entrapment. So I'm going, okay. I said, so uh, I was like, where's it at? And they told me the address, and this address is 12, 13 blocks away, straight shot from our station. So I'm back there, you know, probably the quickest I've ever gotten bunked out. And I'm back there trying to get bunked out, trying to get my mask on and everything. And uh, engine 23 is right ahead of us. So we drive right by our engine because their medical call is on that same street, but we blow right past them and show up to that fire. And basically engine seven, it turned out to be a DOA and they got released by PD. So they pretty much just did a 180 right as we passed them and they ended up falling right behind us. So engine 23 was on scene first along with our chief who we actually had our station officer riding out as our chief that day because our chief was off. And um, we were, we showed up to this house. Um, and, and I gotta say in route, my driver and officer both had spent time on engine 19 who's the district directly south of us and this house this address kind of depends on the day which rigs are out which rigs are busy but either rig will make this house on like a medical ride or something and they made this house multiple times for uh, an elderly female in this house so the whole way we were there both kyle who's our driver and uh, jeff who's our captain they're both yelling like hey murray there's a heavy set lady who in the back the bravo charlie bedroom and they have multiple I think they said three or five kids live there along with like three or four adults and it's a very small house. So they were already kind of giving me an on scene before I showed up, which was great because I had never been there on a medical ride yet. And uh, so we pull up engine 23 has already got a line pulled off their rig and uh, there's heavy smoke coming from the alpha side, all windows, front doors open. And we have one, uh, one gentleman who's already outside coughing and yakking and, uh, he's telling everyone that there's a victim in there or his mother or his wife or his sister. I forgot who it was, but in this back Bravo Charlie bedroom. And so I'm already masked up. I hop off engine 19 pulls up right then as well. So engine 23 has got a firefighter on the nozzle and the fire is located just to the right of the front door, which is the living room and uh, kitchen. We're both involved. And as we're walking up, actually all three of those windows lit off and uh, so we're going in the front door and engine 23 starting to put water on it and they sent another one of their firefighters to go to the Bravo Charlie bedroom to start searching so they were kind of doing a double double duty if you will they were doing fire attack they had their other firefighter going and doing search and then the two guys on the back of engine 19 were at the front door and engine 19's officer as he was getting masked up I just walked by him and said hey I'll go in because he had a new guy in a the guy with like two or three years on on the back. So I, I ran up to Major Suki from Engine 19. I said, hey, 
I'll go in with your two guys off the back because the two guys on the ladder are right behind me. And he said, all right, go ahead. So right as I'm walking in there, I tell those two guys from 19s, I said, hey, bravo, Charlie Corner. Because they start immediately start searching the bedroom on the left just after the front door. It's like, hey, bravo, Charlie Corner. So we kind of did a almost a targeted search, kind of, if you will, but from the interior, if that makes any sense. So we go straight to the bravo, Charlie Corner. And zero visibility, heavy smoke, not not a lot of heat because they're starting to put water on it. But um, we were in the house maybe, man, maybe 30 seconds. And I hear 23's firefighter and engine 19's firefighter. They start yelling, hey, we got a victim, we got a victim. So the major off engine 19 finally comes up behind me and keys up and says that we've located a victim and she's, I remember all I could see when I got real close was her, both of her feet. She was laying supine on her bed. It was like a medical bed. It had like a handle up top for her to lift herself up and everything. And she was laying on like a mattress topper, almost like a little, you know, two, three inch, like Tempur-Pedic mattress topper. And so we're all trying to, and she's kind of heavy set. So we're all trying to, you know, fumble with her legs and arms. And I, th- I think I yelled, Hey, have we all just grab this mattress topper? Almost just like grabbing a, you know, patient, with a sheet under him or something. I said, let's just grab this mattress topper. So we lift her up. And as we start going back towards the alpha side door, uh, she kind of starts slipping and sliding. You know how it goes. It's So we end up kind of grabbing just her ankles and her hands and just just uh, pulling her straight out that alpha side front door. And about halfway, we kind of got this bottleneck of the doorway. So I kind of scooted to the side and engine 19 finished Engine 19 and 23 is finished pulling them out or pulling that lady out. And I failed to mention, right, as we found that patient, what I thought was awesome is Engine 19's officer. The very first thing he said was, Engine or, you know, uh, search the command. We've located a victim. Prepare for EMS. That's like the first thing he said, which we've been kind of pushing a lot lately in our department wide training we've been doing is, you know, when you get a victim out, you know, we don't just clap hands and celebrate, you know, we got to start EMS quick on this patient. And so she was conscious, but very close to being unconscious. So she was, you know, totally limp, but her eyes were open and she was kind of moaning and groaning. And so we got her out the front door and immediately I saw my, my um, officer from ladder seven. I said, Hey man, we still haven't finished this primary. And uh, given she was the only recorded or reported person that was still in there. And, uh, but that's the very first thing I thought was, you know, we still haven't finished this primary search. We've only searched hella quarter of this house. And so I said, Hey, Hey captain, we still have a, we still have to finish our primary. He goes right on. He goes, let's go, let's go in. So me and him started kind of an oriented search. He brought in his tick and this time we cut straight right past the fire rooms towards the Delta side. And, um, you know, we're communicating, doing our thing, still zero visibility. And um, the second in ladder, uh, ladder 16 was assigned to ventilation. So at this time, we kind of start hearing them start to cut a hole and they're starting to do their thing. And um, as we start going towards the Charlie side, the uh, Charlie Delta corner, we kind of get to these, it's real cut up. This house has been added on, I don't know how many times. And uh, we start searching this room and I find a bed. I said, the bed's clear. And then as I'm crawling, I remember just just in my adrenaline dump, it sounds goofy, but in the moment, I thought what I heard was Captain Burke's whispering to me. 
And I remember thinking to myself, like, why in the heck would he be whispering to me, you know? So I kind of stopped breathing, you know, and uh, I got down on my knees and I was real quiet and I heard like a, I heard a moan and it hit me. And I, so uh, I said, fire department. And you hear kind of a, uh, and she was kind of crying a little bit. And I said, fire department, call out. And I heard it to my left. And I got to this point where I got to a doorway and so I was kind of in the tripod position. So was Captain Burks. And I couldn't tell if she was in the room we were in right next to us or if she was in that next room. And so I yelled, I said, all right, sweetie, I need you to yell at me one more time. I said, fire department, call out. And so she kind of moaned. She goes, I'm in here. And I could tell she was just adjacent to the doorway. So I slid real quick. I just reached out with my hand and I could feel her back and she felt pretty big. So immediately I told Captain Burks, I said, hey, we're going to need some help getting her out. So Captain Burks immediately keys up on the radio and says, we've located a second victim. We need help with, you know, send another crew to help with removal. And so I'm sitting there talking to her, trying to get her adjusted. And um, she was laying prone and her feet were in the doorway to a bathroom and she was laid out right in front of that doorway, which ended up being kind of another bedroom. And, um, uh, and those two bedrooms were actually connected by a doorway, but that door was totally covered up with dressers and beds. And so we couldn't even see that doorway, that first victim that we had. And so um, we start getting her adjusted and she starts pushing up and given it's still zero visibility. I, I really can't believe this lady's conscious, you know, and she starts kind of pushing herself up. And I said, I said, Hey, can you get up? And she said, uh, and she's kind of coughing. She said, I think so. And she starts like getting up and like walking around. And I said, I said, can you walk? And she goes, I, I think so. So I said, okay. I said, I tell you what, I said, grab onto me, Captain Burks, as hard as you can. And we pretty much gave her a big bear hug on each side and kind of lifted her feet up off the ground just enough to where she could kind of ambulate herself out. And so we start, we key over the radio and let command know we're coming out with a second victim out the alpha side. And uh, anyway, we, we ambulate her out. All the guys are making a path and we end up passing her off to another crew in the living room because it was so cluttered in there they ended up finished taking her out and uh but yeah that and then we we went back in and finished our primary and um after that that was the those, those are the two grabs but it, it went it went really really well especially finishing that primary just kind of one of those training deals you know don't get all jacked up on one victim you still remember your assignment but yeah, yeah. so many good takeaways on this like the intel from from your driver and your captain on where victims oh, are going to be found. Uh, I love that idea of just that targeted search. If you know where they're at, like just go there yes. first. Uh, that that probably helped uh, get her out much quicker. Um, yeah. Talk. I, I love when you're you're talking through uh, bringing patients out because uh, it seems yeah. like it's not like we do in training. You speak right. to that just a little yeah. bit, or what you're going to tell the junior guy that comes on ladder seven tomorrow. Say, hey, bro, let's talk about search a little bit, so you're not surprised. Yeah. Give us that speech. Yeah, and so, man, it's it, it it really helped too because just lately we've been doing we do this thing called company evolutions where every rig in the city takes turns going down to the training grounds and there's certain like skills we all do and you're timed on them basically just make sure that everyone you know staying efficient on all your skills and whatnot. But one of the big things we've been training on was you know even with RIT you know you come out with a firefighter or a patient not to get caught up on 
the excitement of the situation where you get this victim out and forgetting about, you know, EMS, because that's like the number one thing they're going to need when they get out. And in fact, on that one, that first lady, first thing she got was a cyano kit, you know, they, uh, EMSA was there, or EMS agency, both ambulances, but yeah, some all tell the, we all tell our new guys is, you know, you get one victim, just don't forget about your primary assignment, especially when, because especially on that situation, our first victim was found on a primary, but we didn't even, you know, necessarily search the rooms on the way to that first victim. So there's still a lot of that primary search that still needs to be done. And that was kind of one of those perfect storm situations to where this was way our first in. I mean, you know, like I said, 13, 12 blocks or something away from the station. And you got another rig who would have been second in, but they're in our first in district now. And they're the ones showing up on scene first and chief's there and chief's got four or five people yelling in his ear and you got all this stuff going on, but you can't forget that primary search. And, you know, one thing we talk about is search everywhere, every time, you know, um, no matter. And I think our uh, chief's driver that day told us later that the gentleman that ambulated himself out of that residence when we first showed up was he adamantly kept saying that that first victim we pulled out was the only one in there and kept repeating it. That's the only one we have in there. Okay, cool. All the kids are at school. All right. And then we end up finding that um, second one just from finishing that primary. So that's one thing we talked with him on our way back or when we got back was, man, just don't forget hell. Just don't forget what we're there to do. You know what I mean? I mean, we're there to save a life and you get one, don't forget you have the whole rest of the house up, especially one where, you know, we have reports from guys that have been there before where they're, you got seven, eight people living there under one roof. So, um, but yeah, just, just finishing your assignment and doing it right. Yeah. I love that you uh, didn't take, didn't take bystanders word as gospel that you're there for a mission right. to search. It's not clear until we say it's clear. That means we're going to get it in. Uh, I love you guys passing off the victims and finishing off your search. Uh, so many times yes. I feel like when uh, you do search training, you're right. The guys complete the search or they, they don't complete the search. They bring a victim out. They high five. They're doing the touchdown dance. And we still got, yes. we've still got more game to go. Um, who better to finish the search than the guys that went in to start it because they know where they left off. Um, yep. I don't know about you, but if I'm in, um, if I'm second in doing a search and you come out and say, hey, we found a victim. This is where you left off. Dude, I don't know that I can trust you or I'm not smart to decipher what you just told yeah. me. I'm going to just do it again. Yeah. So uh, right. going back in, that's awesome. You just pass them off, go finish your search. Not once, but twice you did that, yeah. uh, which is real cool. And that, that's, that, that's one thing that you mentioned. I thought we all talked about kind of after the fact was, you know, with the excitement of finding a victim, I think everyone, you know, deep down, you kind of want to have that, almost kind of you want to be part of the action of actually bringing this person out, you know, and actually bringing him out to the front yard and actually being the one to take him from where you found him, you know, to, to the exterior to where they can be okay. But that's one thing we talked about, hell, especially when we got 24, 30 people on a house fire response, you know, it makes no sense to pass up eight or nine firefighters in the living room just to be the one to bring this lady out. You know what I mean? So that's the first thing we did. We saw this group of guys in the living room said, Hey, you guys take her and we're going to go, you know, finish our search. So just, but man, I, I just have to, 
I just have to give props to the guys they work with too. I mean, all the guys that I know on my crew, you know, they're all doing the teaching at the state fire school every year and training on their days off. They're all part of the fools, you know, the, and um, it's just, you know, this, there's just stuff we train for every single day. We're training every day on shift and we're training, hell we're training off shift and just, I just, I just can't be, you know, lucky to work with a better bunch of group of guys and, but yeah, it, it went really, really well. That's awesome. I know you guys got a good thing going on there uh, with, you know, not just uh, doing your guys' own uh, firefighter rescue survey, but man, it seems like you guys are getting a lot of work. You guys are making a big difference uh, in getting victims out year in and year out. It's crazy. So I appreciate you sharing the story. Anything else that you want to, uh, you want to share before we wrap up? Um, you know, I, I, I know guys might ask about, if we found them, you know, we, since we found her in this bedroom, they might ask about VES. And one thing I wanted to touch on on this situation was this house was single story from the alpha side, and it was a walkout basement, so, you know, two story from the uh, Charlie side. And uh, there was no basement access from the interior on that first story. And then so that was one thing we kind of saw when we walked up was this walkout basement on the rear. And so we kind of saw it and we remembered it was a Bravo Charlie bedroom. So we we're like, you know, should we throw a ladder to this Bravo Charlie corner? But good. It turns out it was a good thing we didn't because all these windows, um, the people that lived in there had, I think like two sheets of plywood, like over the windows just for, you know, shade purposes in their bedrooms. And so it turns out just going straight in the alpha side and, Take them straight back out was the best bet, but um, that is just something I want to touch on because I know VES is a big deal, and guys might ask why we didn't do a VES, but the more we looked at it, it just it just made a lot more sense to you know just go go in and out of the front alpha side door. So, but uh, yeah, speak yeah. to that a little bit. I know um, I know when when we're out and and talking with crews, they say, hey, uh, you know, if you crawl through a nasty, smoky, hot fire and you get to the back bedroom and you find Gary's mom in the back bedroom, uh, yes. closed door, uh, are you doing more harm or good to bring her out the way you came? And at, I think at, at some point you got to make a decision. Like uh, it, it's almost like the hazmat time, distance and shielding, you know, right. what's the conditions sure. in that room? Uh, how long yep. have they been in there? How long is it going to take me to take out a window and get the victim out? I mean, maybe it's a big and and in window lifts, uh, I'm sorry, but it's not like fire school breaking glass and just lift somebody yes. out a pre-made window. Exactly. Um, speak to the conditions and why you made that decision just to go right out the way you came. Right. So um, actually when we got in there, so right when we got in that bedroom, um, Engine 23's officer, who was the first on scene rig, he actually said in that bedroom, he said, you know, he's like, hey, what do you guys think about shutting this bedroom door real quick, isolating it, and try and call for a ladder to the window? And it was one of those things where real quick, we kind of like, well, you know, found our way to the windows and saw that these windows were, like I said, they had sheets of plywood like, over the windows from the interior. And like I said, it was low to no visibility in that room. So this lady was still eating a lot of smoke. And um, so it's kind of one of those things where, hell, we know the alpha side door is, I don't know, 20, 15 feet right behind us. Let's just, we've got a bunch of people in here to help carry her. Let's just get her out right now. Cause we knew, cause I mean, you could hear engine 23 putting that fire out and they were getting good conversion and everything. And so just in the split, 
you know, in that split second, it just kind of made more sense just to go right outside the way you came. And there wasn't a Charlie side, uh, you know, back door because it was that walkout basement. So that was another thing we had. To, that was really kind of our only way in and out. So. Perfect. Um, and I think the last commentary I want to add to this is remember when we're functioning on a fire ground, uh, you know, we function with first solution, not optimal solution. Uh, yes. That's how our brains look through. That's the recognition prime decision-making with Gary Klein. Right. You're just looking, you're like, what's going to work? What have I seen in the past? And, and you try to find that first solution. Unfortunately, sometimes when we get back and we're telling our stories and guys start asking questions, they're like, well, why didn't you do this? Wouldn't this have been better? It's like, yep. bro, if yeah. I have time to sit and compare and contrast all the solutions, yeah, but you're making right. those split second decisions and, uh, you know, it, that, that's cool. Um, it's cool to hear you explain it like that and, and yeah. see it in action. So, well, cool, Dylan. I appreciate you sharing the story. Um, if you get a grab or assist, alive or otherwise, uh, please, we ask you to go to Firefighter Rescue Survey, fill out that short survey, and that information is for us, by us, uh, and we're just getting hundreds and hundreds of rescues uh, recorded on there. Uh, and as you can hear from Dylan and the stats that Oklahoma City has specific, specific for them, uh, it, it makes a difference. Uh, it keeps our focus where it should be. Uh, also, if you're interested in sharing your story on the Grabs podcast, you can remain anonymous. Uh, you can tell us your department name. The more information, the better. Uh, but the, the feedback that we get uh, by doing these is, is quite a bit. We don't have to be on every single fire to experience all these grabs and learn something from them. I can't tell you how many fires I've been on. And uh, I immediately go back to something that I heard when we were talking with somebody on one of these podcasts about, oh, shoot, don't do this. Or, hey, uh, we're going to bring out a victim and we're going to pass the fire. Uh, let's use your body as shielding or some, some little nugget. Right. Um, so it's pretty awesome. So uh, as long as everybody can keep reaching out and, uh, and filling out the survey and sharing, uh, we're going to keep the search train going. And I think we're making a difference across the country. Um, if you want to record that grab, get hold of me, Grant Schwalbe, uh, Nick Ledeen, or Justin McWilliams. And uh, until next time, thanks for listening. And thank you, Dylan, for sharing your story. Thank you, Grant. Appreciate it, man. Oh, yeah.